The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. What we need is someone to mention us a lot yeah. in association with a policy that lots of New Zealanders will quite really like. Really support. Yeah, totally. Gone by lunchtime. No mai, hare mai. My name's Toby Nanhai. Wow, that was weird. <laughs> that was Who so... said that? That was freaky. That's not true. That was, that's Chloe Swarbrick. Oh, I'm God. Toby Manhire. It's an insurgent campaign. <laughs> <laughs> that's Annabelle Lee Mather. I'm, I'm Ben Thomas. No, ah, <laughs> look, it's been a really long night and we're all confused and Chloe Swarbrick is here. Uh, the election was held last night. I guess that's a thing that is worth mentioning. And among other achievements, Chloe Swarbrick one Auckland Central. Is it definitely in the bag? Is there any chance it could shift on specials? I mean, there's, there's, there's always chances that things can shift and change and, you know, uh, don't count your chickens, etc. But uh, what we do know, talking to our scrutineers mm. and Leroy, campaign manager, sat in the corner over there, uh, was getting calls from some of those scrutineers who were saying that uh, at some of the booths, like Ellen Melville, they mm. ran out of special vote forms because so many young people in particular from the university halls were coming to and Roll and Bosch at the same mm. time. So you're so, saying Helen White might win in <laughs> Well, I'm saying that the Electoral Commission had one job and they, <laughs> and they um, under-anticipated just how many people might want to express their democratic rights. What was it like watching it come in? I mean, it sort of seemed to open up a bit for you relatively early and then sort of stay there. Is that what yeah. happened? Uh, so we were just manically refreshing. Uh, there's so many photos of Leroy and myself looking at our phones. Uh, and Typical I think we were millennials. On, I know. Got Wait, are hell. you a millennial? A, I, I am a millennial. I'm at the tail end of the okay. millennials. I'm not quite Gen Z, so I'm like too old for the Gen Zs, but also too young for the millennials. Um, not quite a Drake lyric, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I uh, was at when one percent of the votes came in. I was immediately like, "Leroy, look, we're ahead, we're ahead." Yeah. And uh, by that point, we were like a hundred votes ahead. There was one point I think when it was between eleven and fifteen uh, percent or so where Helen jumped ahead by about a hundred votes. Oh. And uh, mm. after that, it then reversed. And did um, you think? Did you think somewhere in you? Oh well, that was that was. Uh, no, I, I think that um, mm-hmm. to, in order in order to do what 
I do, uh, which is to have gone from running and kind of out the gate, uh, left the field independent campaign in 2016, and then, you know, joining the Greens and going through a very traumatic uh, experience and, you know, losing materia in 2017 mm. uh, to now and... Y- y- Jeepers, you can't take anything for granted as the Greens, but you do have to hold an unparalleled level of optimism. (laughs) (laughs) And now that you hold an electorate seat, or you are an electorate MP-elect, is that a thing we say? Does that mean that you can now boss James and Marama around? No. <laughs> just sort of these kind of these 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 lightweight list MPs. Oh my god, have you? I, I'm not Barely sure real seen MPs. The not even really. Oh. Oh, oh you're me. Is oh, that yeah, you, yeah. Nick Smith? I mean, who voted for them? Yeah. <laughs> Only 160 odd thousand people across the country. <laughs> um, but the the funny thing about like the formation of all of the different caucus rooms for all the parties is you look at the Nats, you look at Labour and mm. they've got these like audiences of the MPs facing the leaders. Mm. The Greens, far more of an ecosystem. Uh, finally balanced, if you Don't will. We were chairs. around a Don't table. Yeah, a we sit and we hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Drum circle. Love that. I knew it. Yeah, who's bringing the Scooby for the kombucha et al? Um, what does it mean for you, though? Because you had, a, I mean, one of the most interesting things about your term is that you worked extremely hard, did a lot of things, but also quite Honest. It's quite, including it's quite wild that, that it's quite phenomenal spin-off. for somebody to work out in Parliament. No, I got to the end of the sentence. I got to the end of the sentence. Um, but no, you were quite you were quite candid about the things about it that you thought were Lame. broken and hopeless, and and and, 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 yeah. and how those structures couldn't work. So I guess being an MP now, almost old style, having mm. having a geographical constituency. I love it. Is that going to change the way you approach it, do you think? Uh, so one of the many reasons that we ran the campaign that we did uh, to try and win Auckland Central is, I mean, it's been obviously awesome being mm. a list MP for the Greens, but that means that you're all around the country and these pockets of people everywhere who, you know, you are accountable to. And that doesn't change. But what does change now is that I have an anchor. I'm directly accountable to my community. Mm. And I think that that's what grassroots politics is. Um, you know, I was having a yarn actually in this room um, when uh, we were talking about how uh, things have changed over the past 40-odd years mm. uh, in politics. Mm. And uh, I think, you know, MMP uh, has enabled us to have a far more diverse parliament, but having the opportunity to represent a community and to build a grassroots campaign and to continue scaling that up uh, mm. is something that Marilyn Waring um, mm. really encouraged me to do. So, yeah, that chat with her was actually interestingly um, when we did that for the spin off not chat. too long ago. Was available on, 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 <laughs> on the spinoff.co.nz. You can watch that video. It's, 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 it's really interesting to hear you guys speak together. Another person who might have some advice for you. Um, if we can get hold of her. Are we getting Sandra on the line? We're going to call mum. Great. We're going to do it. I love it. We're going to check in with mumsy. It's going to be quite low-fi. We're just going to do it with the speaker. I probably should have told you we're going to do this, Jane. Jane, thanks so much for coming in on a Sunday to record this. That's our magnificent. Mama. Chief executive in charge of Hi, Mama. Okay, you're live on air. It's a very relaxed situation (laughs) with (laughs) Toby Manhire and Ben Thomas. Kia ora, Sandra. Hi, Sandra. And Chloe Schwarbrick. I'm putting you on speaker, okay? Okay. There you go, Mama. Kia ora, Sandra. Congratulations, dear. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for, for being a beacon of the fact that we can do and change things. 
Oh, thank you. Honestly, <laughs> this is too good. <laughs> I think people underestimated you. Oh, totally. I think people underestimated the fluidity of Auckland Central. Mm. Mm. I've always said it was the um, it was your win in '93, and even Nikki taking out in 2008 that exactly. made me really confident that you know people cared about boots on the ground, independent thinking, and hard work, and those are the only variables we had control over. So we gave it everything. Uh, yes, and also, um, although Auckland Central has changed, um, there's always been a strong environmental conservation vote. People forget uh, the Gulf Islands are out there, the home of Greenpeace and Forest and Bird on Waikiki and Barrier. Mm. Um, you know, the young professionals, even in my day, uh, even though they had a conservative bent, they were concerned about the environment and, of course, a massive student population. Totally. And it's kind of the face of inequality, actually. I was talking um, on, to Peter Williams on uh, Talkback before I uh, wow. came to the, this liberal lefty institution, uh, the spin-off. And I was told by Peter, you know, it's, it's insane that uh, the people in these leafy suburbs who have million-dollar houses have elected this radical greenie. And I was making the point that, actually, if you look at the demographic data, Auckland Central also happens to have one of the most... Uh, kind of insecure tenancies for people. Uh, you have the highest amount of people who are moving year on year to different rental properties. You have amongst the lowest uh, per annum income. You also have one of the youngest populations in the country and one of the most diverse. But yeah, we actually went across the Altea Great Barrier and two very keen, awesome volunteers at the core of our campaign, Nico and Emma, decided that they would door knock on Great Barrier. So, yeah. so they met some chickens uh, and some people who had no idea that the election was happening. But I'm sure we turned out a few of those votes on uh, Aotea. I, I door knocked in 1983 Waiheke and some hoot of a reporter at the pace I went worked out that two local government elections would have passed by before I finished knocking on the last door. But it's important and it works. Yeah, yeah. The ground campaign always does. And I, yeah. I think that's the coolest thing about this campaign. Mama, well, Mama, do you have any advice for Chloe? Uh, do I have any advice for Chloe? Um, well, first of all, Chloe, in all sincerity, um, my heart warms when I see globally young women politicians emerging who are prepared in these urgent times <clears throat> to call it like it is. And from the time you had the audacity to stand for the military in Auckland, um, I can't help but liken you to Congresswoman um, Alessandria Ortega-Cortez. Um, you put me in mind of her, and I hope there's many more to come. What I would say, I don't need to tell you to be fearless, but what I would say is it is in the Green Party's interest for you to be assertive in terms of what roles you are given. Mm. Um, this is not the time for a person like you to say, you know, I'm happy to sit back. Uh, you know, others can be ministers who have more experience than me. 
and so on. You actually have to fight for a ministerial portfolio within your party, in my view, and it is important for the longevity of your party that your face is seen and your ability operating at that level. So that would be my first piece of advice to you. And my second piece of advice to you would be that um, the strong calls and clearly at this election the expectation for transformative um, decisions for our country have largely been handicapped by two things, COVID-19, of course, and the state of our economy, and indeed Labor's pledge to not introduce a capital gains tax. But there are a million regressive taxes on this country that are disbenefiting the poorest, the most vulnerable and the mm. weak. And there is absolutely nothing for the Green Party to not fearlessly fight for the removal of um, those regressive taxes in this day and age. It saddens me that that's off the agenda uh, in terms of the Labour Party because um, if not now, then when? Mm. There's never, ever been a better time for the New Zealand taxation system to change so that the poorest don't pay the same amount of tax on every loaf of bread they eat as the rich and the packet noodles and so on. So transaction tax, um, capital gains tax, progressive taxes need to be put back on the table. And even if the Green Party can't win, they still have to educate and make the call for for all of us in New Zealand. Kia ora. Thank Kia ora. you, Sandra. Kia ora, Mama. Thank you, Sandra. You're welcome. Everybody Good. says thank you. We love you. Lovely we love to you. have you on the podcast. Love you, love you all too. <laughs> Yay for the lift. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, Mama. Um, you need to. You need to. You need to go, Chloe. Surely. Do I? Apparently. Okay. Can we just? Can we just? Uh, okay. Just one question minutes. about the uh, the the hallowed ground game, um, which you've mentioned a couple of times yeah. in terms of of, of winning. Um, I saw on your Instagram, on your Facebook, all over social media, you were having uh, street corner meetings mm. all over Ponsonby, just up the road from from sunny St Mary's Bay where I live. Um, was that difficult? Because Ponsonby Road gets very little foot traffic. <laughs> <laughs> so were you just sort of standing there I by yourself a lot of the time? Price, or? Um, I, we, we've got photographic, photographic evidence of how many people uh, turned out to those street corner meetings. Uh, they were awesome. They were awesome. We had um, a lot of great conversations and you could totally, uh, some of them about uh, obviously the wealth tax, others about um, there was one person who was really fascinated by uh, our clean energy policy. Uh, so I had to, after that, go home and really upskill myself on how solar panels actually work. Uh, there was other people who were really interested in education. Um, yeah, it was honestly just really, really cool. It's the kind of politics that I've always wanted to do. You know how earnest I am. So, Chloe, <laughs> so he, he wasn't really interested in your street corner meetings. He just wanted to do a... To make a point To do, about, to do yeah. a gag. Mm. Um, <laughs> the, the, now okay, the, you can go now. <laughs> <laughs> Next meeting. The, the, um, now that you are senior to James and Marama... And 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 emboldened by Sandra Lee, what's more, <laughs> are you going to form 
a coalition with Labour? Is that just out of the question now? And it's sort of going to probably going to be a confidence and supply. That's what's going to be on the table. I think uh, at this point, it's it's still too early to tell. Um, we have all of our MPs, including our three brand new shiny MPs, mm. uh, coming to Parliament this week. We'll have our caucuses on Tuesday. I'm sure that the media will be expecting different things from every single iteration of those across mm. the parliamentary spectrum. Uh, it'll be interesting for uh, Dave. Uh, Seymour to have, have a gonna, caucus. They're going to buddy you guys all off. I think. Well, uh, uh, he, interestingly enough, I, I ran into him once at the airport and I was like, oh, mate, how come you're not at, because it was Tuesday um, and, you know, heading to Parliament and I had an interview or a meeting or something in Auckland and, you know, David was on his way to the airport at the same time uh, on his way to the plane to Wellington. And I was like, why aren't you, oh, you don't have to be there for caucus. <laughs> it's just just yourself. Um, so, yeah, I think that that'll be interesting to watch. But, um, yeah, in terms of negotiations and kind of what comes next, I think uh, everybody is really uh, aware that there is a very staunch mandate now um, for progressive change. Um, interesting not to necessarily hear those same words of uh, transformation from uh, the Labour Party, but that's why the Greens exist. Um, you know, regardless of whether we are at the heart of that government or not, we will be holding them to account and pushing for better change. I've got one more question and I'll, I'll let you escape, which is the cannabis referendum. Mm. Uh, you've been on the doorstep about talking to people, your scrutineers watching. What are the, what, what are your, and of course you've spent a lot of time not just running for Auckland Central but becoming almost a kind of spokesperson for the yes vote. Don't mean to be. Well, it sort of turned out, turned out that way, yeah. didn't it? New Zealand's too small. <laughs> yeah. Um, and those referendums have been sort of strange things in a strange year, mm. I think. Um, what's, your, what's your hunch? I mean, the polls are a bit mixed. It seems yeah. like the, the polls that have suggested it could go through are ones that have been undertaken principally online. Not that they're not mm. OK, but they are online. Do, do you, what, do, what do you think? Do you think it's going to happen? Not should it happen, yeah, but will it happen? Uh, well, yeah. It was always going to come down to turnout, and that's what the um, polls showed us. Yeah. So, I mean, with the doubling of the international vote, uh, with at least what we've seen on the ground here in Auckland, yeah. uh, with more young people going to the polls. Um, 82.5 is the Electoral Commission call at the moment, yeah. 82.5% uh, turnout. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's... I, th I think that's pretty damn close then. I think that we're in a good position. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to waste this opportunity to say I'm so gutted with the New Zealand Medical Association and their chair, uh, Dr Kate Baddock, uh, who decided to, based on a 2012 press release, stipulate that the position of the NZMA was in opposition, which then ran rampant in the ironically and awfully named Say Nope to Dope uh, campaign mm. kind of pamphlets and flyers. It's uh, catchy. It's a catchy is, phrase. Well, the funniest thing about it is Rhymes. no one's saying Rhymes. nope <laughs> to the dope. The dope continues to exist. It's where you want it to exist and who controls it. Uh, but, you know, that kind of misinformed stance uh, didn't get retracted until 1.1 million votes were cast. Mm. And at that point... Uh, Kate Baddock, the chair, Dr. Kate Baddock, sent an email to members of NZMA, not even to the public. Mm. It then ended up being leaked by those doctors, um, who obviously were rightly furious. 
But I just feel really gutted by how the yes side of the campaign has obviously had to push from a very evidential, very scientific basis. We've yeah. been constantly scrutinised and fact-checked and, you know, to the T. Whereas the No campaign has been able to run just this bizarre fear, obfuscation and doubt campaign. And I, I would have hoped that there was a slightly higher kind of burden on them to try and explain why the status quo was good. Chloe Money, can I ask you a question? <laughs> yes. Um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts just in terms of the cannabis referendum. I think one of the reasons it's garnered such a strong response from Māori is mm. because of the, you know, the prosecution of young Māori users. I do wonder, with the with the age being twenty, are we still going to see? Is some of that going to be watered down? once the rubber hits the road because 16 to 20-year-olds or however, mm. you know, younger people um, aren't, aren't going to be covered by it and therefore may still end up being um, unfairly prosecuted. So uh, based on the draft legislation, um, uh, it's 160 pages. If anyone wants to read it, go to referendums.govt.nz uh, for impartial it's, it's information. Over, it's, o- the... it's over. <laughs> it's, fin- it's finished. But they, it's finished. Um, what that outlines is civil penalties primarily. So um, those younger people will not end up being caught up in the criminal justice system in the way that they currently are. Uh, the other thing to state <coughs> is just how important it is that uh, you know, we recognise the massive opportunity this presents to change the criminal justice system in this one tiny, teeny way, which has ripple effects. But, you know, this is never, ever going to be a panacea to mm. complete transformation uh, of the criminal justice system, so-called criminal justice system, uh, to, you know, being founded on te let alone being anti-racist. But uh, for us, um, it, it was really important. And for me in particular, you know, I fought really explicitly and publicly um, for there to be complete expungement of all people who had former convictions for cannabis crimes as they were if there was that positive yes majority vote. Um, Unfortunately didn't get that across the line with Labour and New Zealand first. So uh, one thing that we did manage to win by virtue of pushing on that front was explicit uh, recognition that those who do have former cannabis convictions are not by default barred from engaging in the new legal system. Because the thing that I was really worried about is us ending up with a system similar to what you see in quite a few states in the US whereby uh, people who were prosecuted under prohibition are entirely different to those who uh, benefit and profit from a new legal market. Mm. Kia ora. It's, gonna, it's weird as well that they're not reporting the results. I think that's ridiculous. I think yeah. if you, what if you, were, if you were a really big investor, you could commission a poll completely within the law to find out how people voted and then make your decision accordingly. Don't worry, it'll be like it's a second right, Christmas. It? It'll Aye. be like a second Christmas. So like, we'll get another <laughs> you'll have another party. We'll have another no, party. But, but because the people have voted, mm. now it's closed, mm. and they're all just sitting there in boxes, I could commission a poll. If I was a if I was a, a investor mm. and I had some money and I wanted to make a decision about whether or not to invest in Hikurangi or whatever, mm. I could commission a really good poll, find out basically what the result was, was just ask people how they voted, and then make an investment decision. Well, do you also offer stock market advice to me on the Got My Lunchtime podcast? Or are we pointing to the ludicrousness? We only do Bitcoin. We only do the dark web and Bitcoin. No, after this election, we're setting up a subsidiary company to do internal polling for the new Conservatives top. 
uh, and Advanced New Zealand. Sustainable New yeah. Zealand is yeah. actually they didn't have uh, eighty seven votes, man. As, as, as soon as you pay, oh, your, in Auckland Central, that's what it looked like oh, last time. So, if you pay your first deposit, you immediately get five percent. <laughs> then there's an instalment plan Look, to get I up to 15%. There were two polls um, that had me in third place for Auckland Central, so I feel like anyone can just write down any numbers. Everyone's got hot takes and what, Twitter reckons. What do you think happened there? Do you, do you think that those were relatively accurate and then you, your campaign surged? Or? I, I genuinely don't know. Um, all I know is that you know, it was actually not all too dissimilar because it's kind of the only reference point that I have to 2016 where in the final two weeks or so there was that poll commission which was published by you guys at the spin-off uh, where I was in fifth place and that then enabled me, it opened the door to more kind of media and stuff because mm. I was previously banging on the door <laughs> mainstream kind of commentary being like, where's my spot? Let me debate people. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know, mate, um, but I know that the only stuff that we did have control over was the kind of campaign that we ran, so we, we ran it as hard and as fast as we could. Yeah, well, you did an amazing job. Oh, thanks, Ben Thomas, right-wing commentator. Congratulations. Formerly Excelsior. Congratulations, Chloe <laughs> Thank you for coming on our podcast. Thank you, Chloe Money. Thanks for the, the bubbles. Oh, welcome. We're, just to be clear, the bubbles, uh, I promised them bubbles to celebrate the end of the election. I don't, that sounds mean. It's not not to celebrate your victory, Chloe, but I just sort of thought the listeners might get I think that it's been that. a really long election, and most people are probably quite sick of politics. Yes. Mm. Yeah, we are, and we're, yeah. it's like, that's what we're here for. <laughs> it's like, we've still got to try and keep them listening for another 10, 15 minutes. I know, and it's my only hobby. All right. Like, now I'm just, now I'm just bereft. Like, oh. now, now there's nothing in life I love anymore. <laughs> I was, uh, like, yesterday, trying to pass the time, and it was just, because you're in this kind of purgatory, can't campaign, uh, which is actually kind of nice, uh, but... You know, I was scrolling through Twitter and absolutely nothing going on. Went on my Facebook, you know, just not much. Uh, Same with Instagram. I'm like, what do normal people do? And then I uh, was like, can't go and talk to people about politics. I turned up, I went to the cafe and a guy very jokingly was like, oh, you're roundabout. Oh, you're influencing my vote. And I was like, oh, God damn, I've got to. (laughs) So I was like, I don't don't want to be reported. I don't want to deal with this. So So, I put a big coat over my head. Yeah, so. Leroy and I went and delivered sandwiches and I made him go in to deliver the actual sandwiches to people. Uh, and then I went home and sat in the apartment and tried to watch a K-pop documentary. So, yeah, that's how I do an election day. I don't know Maybe what normal people do. Maybe we should institute that more regularly. have six o'clock closing for politics discussions mm. and just ban it mm. like on election day after six every day. Oh, that's, that's, Everything that's is political. I'm like, do we want to talk about the funding of uh, this K-pop doco and how we could potentially be uh, providing some funding to, I don't know, New Zealand on air to showcase... I don't know where I'm going with that, but I am the broadcasting spokesperson. You're the yeah, you're, you're, you're probably the broadcasting minister if you want. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you. See you later, Toby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cup Get a girl. So, Ben Thomas, Annabelle Mather. It was the election night last night. We've discussed the Chloe Swarbrick thing. Otherwise. What were the moments that stuck out to you while you were watching it, the ones that we, we, we can talk about? The, the Labour Party, I think it was, that came first. What were the, where were you watching it, Annabelle? I was watching it at TV3. 
Um, standout moments for me were, well, not that I could watch it, but um, as Ben mentioned in our last podcast, um, seeing Shannon Halbert flip Northcote. Mm. Um, bittersweet because his father passed away yesterday morning. Um, no reira mokori anō ki a reringa mihi aroha ki a koe Shannon me tō whānau. Um, for me, um, like, I think the refresh button on my computer is broken because I just sat on Waiariki all night going refresh, refresh. Yeah, but there was also some other amazing races like Soraya Peke Mason, Adrian Dudafi's mm. sister who once stood against Hariana Tūria and Te Taihawaru, she very nearly took Rangi Tike. She was mm. ahead most of the night. Um, seeing Shane Riti, who really st- was behind for most yeah. of the night. There yeah. was a couple of really fascinating um, races seeing, so, you know, like Rangitata in that, you know, turn red, seeing Nick Smith um, go fascinating. And as my um, as my mum said to me last night, you know, the thing about Nick Smith going is that there's, and with Nicky gone, there's no more um, blue, uh, green blues in, in national. So... Um, no more. Co- that I guess you could Smith say they've lost their on environment. The list, maybe I think, but yes, yeah, um, so Smith will be back him, on the list. For, well, for, for, but there are there are already been. Well, you just that, ruined my whole shtick then, no, didn't so, you? No, you well, killed it. No, you no, killed no, it for me. No, killed it. No. Spoilers. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. No. <laughs> the the suggestion is that Nick Smith and Jerry Brownlee uh, will. Have conversations with their colleagues and the grandees, and realise that it's time. Okay, well let As me talk. As MPs, you know, because it doesn't Nikiatu. trigger a by-election to just make way. Okay, well let me talk about some other people that might be gone then. Okay, oh, yeah. since you killed that one okay. for me. Okay, sorry. Dan Bidwell. He's gone. He's gone, gone burger, gone. and I don't think he'll get back on the list. Harete Hipango. Will she make it back on the list? Steph, uh, Steph Lewis Trout. She's, ve- she's very close. She'd be she, close. She's either there Alfred, or thereabouts. Alfred Ngaro? No, he's gone. Agnes Lohini. She's she's on the cusp. If if there were a couple of retirements for, from, uh, you know, say Smith, say Brownlee, she might get it uh, back in. Joe Hayes? She's in that same block. So there's a, there's a block which you could cynically call the diversity block. Um, sort of that that is which is just about where they cut off in terms of the the list seats that they'll bring in this term, and that includes all of those MPs. Um, and and so there's there's a question. I mean, certainly in terms of caucus diversity, that would be a boon to get some of those guys in. None of them have been super high performing. Uh, MPs, Nash, Na- the, no, but the, it wipes out the diversity in the party, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I mean, it's a whitewash, not a bloodbath. It, National really have got a recruitment problem. Um, you know, somebody like Tanya Tapsell, who would have been a fantastic mm. addition to the party, uh, unfortunately, just you know, with the red wave, didn't have a chance in the end, as it turned out, of taking East Coast, uh, East Coast, and nowhere near on the list and. You know, the gamble that Judith Collins made was putting these people in, you know, what had what had previously been national seats, throwing down the gauntlet, saying, if you want to be an MP, you win this seat. Well, as it turned out, I think national were wiped out in the electorates in a way that nobody really expected. And then the other thing is the gender balance. 
Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the gender balance I think I saw somewhere is 53% male across the parliament, 47%. But I mean in the National Party. Female, yeah. Mm. The, Labour is 50% the, for the first time ever. Mm. Claire Zabo, who was speaking to media at the town hall last night, I went along to Labour's thing, was really pushing that and talking about the number of Pacifica MPs that were incoming. Um, the Greens are about, what, 70%? I think Madam has said this morning they've increased their Māori MPs by 200%. Right, right. <laughs> That's quite good. So of ACT? Yes, and I thought, I was thinking to myself this morning with, you know, Nicola McKee, who's the spokesperson for, is it the New Zealand Rifle? The Guns. The Guns Club. The gun, like, gun it's gun a lady. very Ngāpuhi policy platform, I feel. <laughs> quite traditional <laughs> Ngāpuhi <laughs> for David Seymour. Kia ora. <laughs> So for 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 national, and let's just let's just remind those of you who uh, weren't burning midnight oil last night. It finished with Labour on forty nine point one, national on twenty six point eight. The worst results since two thousand and two, uh, which would give them. And this is you know we've still got specials to come as well. That would give them the national party thirty five, and it would give Labour sixty four. Chances are it'll probably be one more, maybe two more for Labour on the specials. Hard to know. Where does that leave National though, Ben? I mean, it's, you know, famously, infamously, Judith Collins has said that if you're polling under 35, then you can't really be the leader of the National Party. But the circumstances have changed since she said that. And she would say, <laughs> and, and she would say, why do you always want to be bringing up the past? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm looking forward. <laughs> um, and she, uh, this morning, sort of set out her stall as, the next three years is the campaign, da 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 very um, casting forward, as you suggest. And about, is, apart from anything else, it's hard to know who would want to take the job now. Well, they're, they're running out of bodies, right? Um, in 2002, their solution to that sort of disaster was their, their new MPs were uh, John Key, Don mm. Brash, Judith Collins... You know, and here, you know, I, you don't see anyone of that kind of uh, calibre coming in. Some people might say Christopher Luxon, but again, totally untested, hasn't really impressed in the sort of media that he's done, you know, since becoming a, a very high-profile candidate who seems to have a pretty high opinion of himself. Um, and the Todd Muller experiment. And the Todd Muller experiment. Comes a stark warning of... Convincing yourself that somebody is the answer. That, that, that's right. It might be a little while before they just look at the business CV and throw somebody into the opposition leadership. Um, but then again, you know, who else have they got who is a, a, a recognisable public figure who's who's tried and proven? Mark Mitchell, he's, pr- he's pretty good Simon opposition Bridges. MP. Simon Bridges, well, he came out this morning and said he doesn't want it. Now, presumably Bridges, if he does have any interest in it, is waiting to be begged to take it back. Um, And remember, you know, the revitalisation of Simon Bridges, the yaks, etc., that's a very online phenomenon. Uh, You know, he is much more comfortable in his own skin, but... That, that has a very negligible effect on, you know, what were very negative ratings for him as the prime, as, as, as opposition leader when he was there. And his margin in Todonga got cut to a razor. You know, I, I think it was less than about 2,000. Oh, it, was, it was around 2,000. He lost about 75% of his majority in Todonga. So there's nothing about Bridges that suggests he's in any way immune from this real wave. Yep. yep. I do wonder if um, if part of the you know diminish 
diminishing national support is a vote of no confidence in the the fundamental Christian um, flavour that's infiltrated the party. Because I think a lot, like a lot of kind of traditional um, national supporters probably quite like the idea of things like euthanasia and worry about what would happen if it was to go any more towards the, the, the Christian side of the spectrum. I think that will be a concern for their new, as you've pointed out, quite undiverse caucus. I don't think that was really a factor in this this result. This was a referendum on not just not Labour, but the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, maybe to a lesser extent, slightly Grant Robertson and their handling of COVID. Um, because if it was just about the National Party's instability, which obviously didn't help, right? It is, you know, but. If it was just about that, what you would have seen is the centre-right vote remains around the same size, New Zealand First get a boost, ACT get a boost, maybe the cons get a boost. Instead, what we saw is huge amounts of voters shifting over to, from the centre-right to the centre-left. Um, you know, the Greens, the Greens you would normally expect would go down when Labour went up. In this case, both of them rose in the polls. Um, you know, it, it's really an extraordinary shift. And the... Stuff on the national side played so neatly into the strategy that Labour was running, wasn't it? We've buried the lead here a bit because we, you know, this is a, an historic, the biggest ever, the biggest ever result under MMP, um, and yes, COVID, uh, yes, national in shambles, yes, uh, Dern's leadership through the term, yes, it's a first term government, and we tend to return first term governments, or have done since uh, Bill Rowling. But it's still a hell of an achievement, right? Like it's still to to get pretty much one in two votes. It is. It's an incredible achievement and that's why I think the result in Waiariki is so interesting mm. that while the rest of New Zealand is turning red in droves, even those like tutudu blue electorates mm. and mm. as it turns out, Jacinda may hate the farmers, but the farmers actually quite like Jacinda. That's why the Waiariki seat flipping back to the the Maori Party just three years after Maori gave them the boot is mm. is so fascinating. I think. And what does it mean? For and them? and also reinforces the fact that Maori absolutely do vote strategically. Yeah, well, I mean the 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 absolutely, and you can see that, and that clearly people had listened to the suggestion of. Voting low on 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 list for Māori Party, voting high in, in electorate. Mm. Um, and also interesting, I, I I don't think you know nobody from the Māori Party would say this, but you know I, I don't claim to have any particular demographic insights into most of the Māori electorates. But you know when you talk to the sort of you know the flex roots, iwi kind of marae based, the one thing that they don't like tends to be arrogance, and I think that's why Tamati Coffee was more at risk than the rest of his Labour cohort. He got off on the wrong foot in 2017 by basically giving Tūrūrō a flavel, you know, who who was deposed but still had a lot of respect in that community, kind of giving him a kick on the, in the pants on his way out um, and has, hasn't really done much um, 
sort of on the ground. I understand that Labour was basically sending in reinforcements in the later stages to try and make up from uh, Coffey's lack of sort of ground game and lack of door knocking and lack of actually asking people for their vote again. I think um, part of it there too is I think Tamati's focused on some fairly niche kaupapa that don't necessarily have an immediate impact on the people of Waiariki and it is quite an old school traditional um, seat, you know, home to iwi like Tuhoe, Te Arua, um, those ones on the coast capturing part of the whanua Apanui who are kind of, you know, um, quite old school iwi with, you know, strong real those sorts of things and tamati doesn't re- reflect those, necessarily reflect those values and skills whereas Rawiri um, has all of them, you know, he is your tuturu kapahaka Uncle, he's got a massive profile, he's well loved. Most importantly, he wears a cowboy hat, and that alone captures about two thirds of the vote in any Māori electorate. Um, so, yeah, very interesting result. I'm dying, dying with anticipation to see if Deb Ngariwa Packer can get up. It's only about 0.2% that she needs. Well, mm. when, well, I. To, to be honest, I don't know the hard numbers, but what I do remember is that in 2014, mm. when Te Uruoa came back in Waiariki, Marama, you know, had missed out on Ikaroa Rāwhiti, but she was on a knife's edge, and I believe that year the Māori Party vote got up to about 1.2%, and it was enough to tip her in. I really hope that Deb gets in, not just because I think she's an exceptional candidate, but with my with my Ngāko Māori taking off my political commentating and my journalism hat, I hope that she's in because I think, you know, Parliament is a very lonely place for Māori at any given time, even if you're in a big party. You know, the, the tikanga and the kawa of Parliament is very foreign to Māori, so I think for Rāwiri to have... He hoa mahi, he hoa haere, I think will be um, will, will be very important to him as an individual and to you know any Maori political movement. So I think Parliament will be a richer, more exciting place for having both her and him in it. And, and the great thing too is that Tamati is back. Tamati isn't lost, and no, it's great to. Well, that was the tactical pitch, right? Mm, that's right. That's right. And I do wonder if um, I think we talked about this last week. It's boring, but you know, did the Labour MPs do the right thing coming yeah, off the list yeah. this time? And importantly for the Māori Party, which has been through a few leaders and sort of had a range of different. Approaches, kopapa. No, that's probably not right. But you know, like it. it well, yeah, there's it, a there's it, definitely a change in kopapa. They've it, ruled out working with nationals, so I think that's a fair analysis. So, maybe. so do they then? If you were, um, well, like, will Waititi now look to be in a government governing arrangement? Like, if if if, if Jacinda Ardern does as of today, tomorrow, decide to try and bring as many people into the tent as possible. Well, how incredibly enticing. Would that be? I don't know if Labour will, and to be honest, I don't think it would be in the Māori Party's best interest to do that. I think they need, I think Tau Henare is exactly right when he says there's a tendency to undervalue the potency of the crossbenches and just how much you can achieve there. And my God, you only look, need to look to David Seymour mm. to, to, to see how true that is. So I think it would be a mistake, and I think if 
for them to, to get into an arrangement. And I think, you know, they'll learn a lot from the crossbenchers and most importantly, they won't get subsumed by the labour machine. So I think I'm pretty sure JT would be advising them to work cooperatively but to not necessarily uh, create a formal arrangement with, with, with Labour, I would guess. And as far as Labour is concerned in forming a government, it will have the option pretty clearly of going alone or making some arrangement with the Greens. And it seems as though the likeliest, I don't know if, if you guys agree, is basically the same as it was last time, just without New Zealand First. So there are ministers outside Cabinet, it's confidence, confidence and supply agreement, uh, but you know a few key portfolios, like obviously James Shaw would want to have climate change again. I think the Greens would quite like to be in, in Cabinet and in, in a formal coalition, but I don't, the Greens don't need it. And Yeah, but if they, they don't, do if they don't, though, I, like, I reckon, we'll see, like, can you imagine, like, James Shaw in his bedroom playing Fleetwood Mac, go your own way, real loud? <laughs> That's what I want to imagine if, if, that, if that doesn't happen. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, I wouldn't imagine that they would be, invi- be invited into Cabinet. Um, there's, there's no requirement for that. You wouldn't want to... Um, uh, that, that creates an extra levels of complexity for policy. Instead, you'd you'd hive off certain policy areas to probably put them in charge of again. You know, like cl- climate change, um, conservation, for conservation. Change. These are the obvious ones, um, because you know, look, we I've been talking about it for three years, but labor casting for Chloe Swarbrick. Labor has well, look, labor has got a talent deficit. You know, what would labor do for a Chloe Swarbrick? as a minister outside cabinet. You know, certainly they've got some people coming through who will be good ministers, you know, um, Kerry Allen, uh, Kerry Tapu Allen, um, Deborah Russell maybe, Michael Wood, um, Aisha Verrill will be an excellent new candidate, Barbara Edmund. You're still, that's only just replacing the New Zealand First guys, right? You've still got Deadwood in the current cabinet. You've got a lot of inexperienced MPs coming in. And, you know, I don't think they can actually afford to lose James Shaw, Jan Logie, uh, Julianne Genta, and I don't think they can really afford not to give Chloe Swarbrick, Chloe Swarbrick something. Oh, I'm hoping that Madame Davidson gets something um, interesting, like Oranga Tamariki. Well, yeah, we were talking about Oranga Tamariki after the last podcast, and that would Which actually is, be really good to see. It's been mm. in the last term, Tracy Martin from New Zealand First. Yeah. So and there would be a vacancy there. And, and look, Oranga Tamariki is an absolute minefield mm. for any it's a minister. Hiding to nothing. So if you're Labour, why wouldn't you want to put another party's minister in charge of it? It's certainly in line with, you know, where Marama Davidson would think that she could make the greatest difference. I think in terms of well, implementing, is it 7AA? Um, you know, like Marama would have yeah. the... the the be, like be, be very well and, and, equipped to and, help I mean, achieve obviously that. The, the, the prize portfolio, as far as the Greens are concerned, in social areas would be would be social development, but mm. that's just not one that is likely. To a a Labour Party is not, not going to give away so social development. Yeah. Um, and of course, statistics. Well, that's, <laughs> that's a, all right. Look, we're fading. We're yeah. fading. We've had enough. It's over. Wait, um, have I'm we done everything? Have we done? Let's just oh, wait. We, done, Pause. we haven't done Quick. Winston. We haven't done Winston. Oh, oh okay. um, yeah. 
sad to see the the end of. Um, I hold Ron Mark in high regard. He's been an incredible yeah. advocate for the Nepata brothers. Um, I think he's been a very um, effective minister of defence and his whole kaupapa of wanting to um, to prepare our defence forces for climate change mm. and all that goes along with that. So I'm, um, you know, really sad to see um, to see him leave Parliament. Shane Jones. I mean, you, as a journalist, you love him. He delivers in spades. You know, he's a a, a real character. Um, you know, of course, Winston and Jenny Marcroft, who's been a great voice for Māori broadcasting. So. Um, just want to mahi to them for for their contribution, and I'm, I'm going I think to think it'd be with, churlish not to. I'm going to break with Annabelle's sentiment and be a bit churlish. Um, I <laughs> I talk with press gallery journalists all the time, and they say, "Oh, wouldn't it be so boring without Winston?" I was working in government in 2008 to 2011 when there was no New Zealand First. The last time they were dumped out of Parliament after being embroiled in an SFO scandal. And it was great. It was fantastic <laughs> in Parliament without Winston Peters and New Zealand First. We didn't have any of the sort of rancour of the previous two terms on race issues, on treaty issues. Mm. There was far less division. You know, John Key and the Māori Party and Chris Finlayson have got a lot, you know, obviously contributed to that, a huge deal. But I think a key part was the fact that New Zealand First weren't there causing problems. Um, this is a good thing for New Zealand. It's a good thing for Parliament. It's a good thing for the public discourse. Kia ora. Uh, great points. Also, it was real sweet and poignant and sad to see Winston with his dog, Bo, on the last day of the campaign. <gasps> Shout out to the bad boys of Brexit. Oh, yeah, the you bad boys of Brexit. You guys did such a great job. Fucking killed it. Absolutely killed it. Absolutely killed it. every dime. Amazing. We'd like to um, get you to do some work on this podcast. Yeah, for um, sure. Maybe do some TikToks. Mm. Thanks a lot. Thanks, members. Thanks, Flick Electric. Thanks, Jane. Thanks, listeners, for your forbearance. At our time of need. Kia Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.